0: welcome to another episode on the unlocking your mind podcast my name tom morgan and i'll be bringing you an array of inspirational stories from people who have achieved amazing things each guest offers an interesting insight into the highs and lows they have faced along their path to success there is definitely a lesson or two in each podcast and ways we can improve our own lives i hope you enjoy My guest today is professional rugby player and entrepreneur, Grayson Hart. We discuss his remarkable journey from growing up in New Zealand and representing New Zealand in the 20s, to then his journey over to Australia and then the UK, where he went on to represent Scotland in the 15-man and 7-man code, as well as the Barbarians. This conversation is extra special because Grayson talks so honestly and openly about his career. And how he dealt with the highs of professional rugby as well as the lows of professional rugby and what he learned from those experiences. This conversation focuses heavily on the mindset and importance of being your own person in a world that often wants us to conform. Grayson also discusses how he overcame hardships, rejection and he also discusses the importance of not attaching yourself or your value to a goal. Grayson is now a player at the Bedford Blues as well as being a successful entrepreneur where is the co-founder of Pure Sport CBD, a supplement helping people all over the world which has shown benefits for physical and mental health. I've attached the links to Grayson's social as well as his Pure Sport CBD company where you can check out these fantastic products. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, I'm really really happy that you've uh, decided to come on the podcast today mate so um how are things with you
1: yeah good man i'm uh very happy to be here man i'm a big fan of your podcast you've had some amazing conversations and you know um in a way in your own journey that's really relatable to me and uh i've loved the the chats that you've hosted and you've had some cool people on so yeah i'm i'm, I'm stoked to be on and yeah i've been keeping well keeping pretty busy and uh yeah. Now, how about you, mate? You've been keeping all right?
0: Yeah, we keep keeping well. You know, it was a um, weird time over lockdown, having all that time spare, and time free, um, kind of gave me a chance to kind of almost reset. You know, I think life was going at 100 miles an hour. And it was nice just to take that step back and, and see what was going on, really. What about you, though? Because you were a professional rugby player. You're in the middle of it all. Like, What was that like to suddenly stop doing that?
1: Um... I'm probably in a slightly unique position, so I may not have the same answer as maybe a lot of the other kind of professional rugby players. But um, to be honest, man, I, I might sound bad. Maybe I shouldn't be so honest, but I, <laughs> I do not mind the break coming. Yeah. Um, probably my last couple of seasons, you know, I've really tried to I love rugby. Uh, I, I love what it's done for me in my, um, and my career, and just giving my life some direction that you know maybe without I don't know where things may have gone. Um, sort of kept me on the straight and narrow t- in some regard. But um, the last couple of years really for me, I've been utilizing rugby to build a business outside of rugby, and you know continue to play the game to to still have an income, and obviously I give my absolute best. Um, uh, on the field and around the team but you know I'm not the player that I used to be Um my body's sort of a bit <laughs> slowed down a bit and a bit battered but um and, and you know I think your motivations change and but yeah. and I'm still thankful that I've been able to play rugby in that regard and so yeah obviously it was a bit weird and but like a whole lot of like uncertainty on like when the how long was going to last and when the season um, might start back, or if it was going to, and kind of what to do, and, and whether we, you should train like you're going to play soon. Or so it was weird, but uh, yeah, personally for me, um, obviously didn't wasn't happy with all that was going on in the world, like you know, it's kind of not ideal yeah. situation at all. And um, you also just want the best for <laughs> humanity and, and, and everyone, but yeah, I mean. Rugby-wise, I wasn't I wasn't too phased.
0: <laughs> yeah. Bro, honestly, you're not the first person to say that. You know, I've spoken to other people, even athletes on here, that have said, you know, the same thing as you. They, they needed that time away. A lot of people mm. are burnt out. They give everything for it, and yeah. it burns you out. But then the thing I also found was, and I found this when I played rugby, and I also found this now being a teacher, it's like when you're so immersed into something and you're giving it everything all the time, mm-hmm. I find that that then becomes part of your identity because mm-hmm. you're always wanting to get better at it. You're always wanting to work on it. You're always wanting to do as much as you can, to be honest. And then suddenly yeah. where, where's the switch off? You don't know how to switch yeah, off man, and that's definitely. the hardest part of it, you know, and that's yeah. what I, I certainly found. And that's what I think other people have found. So how important for you has been like having your, obviously your pure sport business been for you on
1: the side, yeah, man. It's it's something that I'm hugely grateful for, you know. And, and the opportunity for the business has arisen through, I guess, mine and my co-founder Adam, our own struggles in rugby yeah. with injuries and um, reliance on painkillers and the kind of really toxic and unhealthy effect that has on not only your physical health but like your overall well-being and mentality yeah. and clarity of mind. Um. So firstly, I was just thankful to have found something in, in CBD or cannabidiol for people that don't know what CBD is. That's what um, the company we launched, Pure Sport, um, to be the world's um, leading batch tested and certified CBD for athletes who are drug tested. And then obviously the game plan was to allow the wider audience to see that CBD was a good and healthy alternative to you know these medications and and something that would help with. Pain and sleep and um, stress and anxiety and other things. But so, so obviously grateful in that regard that I found that um, and then that we saw an opportunity in the business. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's funny, man. I think in order to do anything really, really well, you're borderline addictive with it, you know? And it's kind of what you're saying with your rugby experience, like, in order to really have a true crack at something, I'm not, I'm not encouraging this either, but I, I feel as though humans, we become addicted. Like, oh, okay. um, so, you know, you, you can go away and now watch any documentary about, you know, I, I, I love watching these documentaries about these unreal freakish athletes, you yeah. know, um, and just getting a, an insight into like who they are and their personalities and what they're like you can watch every one of those men and they're all completely addicted to what they do. You know, Um, you can't not be to be that good. Um, And I went through that phase in my rugby career. And I I think I kind of screwed onto that and, and perhaps my mindset shifted a bit to a sort of bigger picture of life. And, you know, I think my probably motivation or uh, like, I think I enjoyed my rugby a lot more. I don't know if I was a better rugby player, but um, I think I've honestly seen the same thing happening in business. Like I I went from this being an amazing idea and don't get me wrong. Like there was, it was serious. Like we invested a fair bit of our savings into it and like it was, it was risks involved, but when you see something growing and becoming more serious, you kind of find and it gains that momentum of its own. You, you can see yourself falling into those same habits and traps and yes. almost an uh, un- inability to switch off and that you can relate to. So it's, it's about understanding what our habits are, I think, as humans yeah. and how addictive we are. Like our minds just want to attach to things. And it's understanding that and trying to navigate ways to more balance.
0: Yeah, I agree. I listened to um, a podcast last night and it was with a neuroscientist and it was talking about the same thing we're talking about now, about having those, that feeling of that you're succeeding in life, that feeling that you're achieving something. And what a lot of people found, especially with high level athletes, is they became obsessed they became obsessed with it, and sometimes along the way they lost the enjoyment for it. And then there's those chemicals, serotonin, which obviously is the reward chemical, and you have your dopamine, which is what puts you in that almost that positive mindset to do it. And then mm. a lot of these people they became so obsessed that they stopped enjoying it, and they and they attached that feeling of a serotonin where they're going to feel good to that goal, and then they reach that goal, mm. and they realise. Oh, it feels great for about 10 minutes and then it's down and then you get depressed, you get down and you think, well, where does it stop? And the answer is you need to enjoy what you do along the way. But then it's not always linear, is it? You can't always be at the top of your game. You can't always enjoy it. You can't be getting the best out of yourself all the time because that's not life. You are going to get coaches who don't know you well. You're going to have coaches who don't know you personally well, like don't know you well as a person and can't get the best mm. out of you for you. I, I remember listening to a podcast you were on. I think this was when you were, I can't remember if it was in Australia or the Blues and you were playing for a club at the time and you felt like the coaches weren't almost trying to get to know you as a person. They didn't build that rapport. Mm. They were just expecting every player just to be the same, almost like a flock of sheep rather than mm. being individuals. So for you, yeah. like, how important is it to be your own individual? rather than just following the crowd?
1: Yeah, man. I I think it all that question all ties into what you and I have both just touched on there is, you know, like for me, the biggest shift in my perspective on life came when I started to question, like where did happiness come from? Where, you know, I realized that I was searching for contentment or peace or fulfillment or happiness um in these external things because that's all I knew where to look for them you know I feel the world I feel the human culture and the media and just the schooling system and the sporting system and social media and everything teaches us from a young age that fulfillment happiness peace is achieved in outward things and I think like when because you know for me I grew up you know I'll be I, I don't mind I don't care I'll speak pretty bluntly you know I was, grew up poor like in a council house um with no real viewpoint of how to be successful other than I thought I was, you know I was good at rugby so I wanted I thought yeah. that was my path to success and I I you know for me reach that success or you're you're going to be fucked like your life was going to be shit like that was generally what i felt my reality was as a young guy um so can you can see how putting that viewpoint on reaching an external goal is no longer about like it's no longer a healthy and creative and fun way of going about things you know because for me rugby was something that i loved that was was a way to get away from those uh challenges of my life and be present and in the moment and feel like I belonged and express myself and be good at something. Yeah. It went from that to like, okay, you now are growing up, you need to take responsibility and try to be successful. Rugby is what it's it's gonna the only chance for you to do that. So my mindset on rugby shifted from this expression that I love to a reliance of, you know, and it was fear based. It was like yeah. achieve it or you're fucked, you know? Yeah. So but I feel that that viewpoint arises because we're taught you only can you, you'll find happiness in external things. Now I'm not and, and trust me I'm not saying because I, I was poor and grew up on a council house that um, I, that's why I had that mentality because you can have that mentality if you grew up and your parents are millionaires and you, you went to an amazing school and you lived in a mansion because the world tells us, Unless you achieve the right things for yourself, you know you're not going to be fulfilled. Unless you have the cool job, or the cool Instagram, or the yeah. cool girlfriend, or the right bank balance, or the right car, or whatever, uh, you're not going to be fulfilled. And we all believe this perspective because it's kind of conditioned into us. Yeah. And and you know what? It's the same thing you spoke about about the athletes achieving the goals, feeling fulfilled for a minute. And then feeling really depressed and then chasing. It's just a cycle, it's a cycle. Yeah. Um, so the moment my life began to shift is I I I, I really questioned it, man. I, I achieved some cool stuff when I was young and rugby, like when I was 18, 19, 20, like things happened for me pretty quickly, and I achieved some dreams that I thought, you know, that I were, were literally life dreams of mine, and I did not feel like a better human being. I didn't feel the I didn't feel the sense of lack or or being not uh, not good enough or that you know that I really believe would go away when I achieve certain things and I didn't feel them go away. And that made me don't don't get me wrong, I went for a really rough patch of like real uncertainty about life when that was all going on and quite a destructive sort of a path. But thankfully I started to question why started to read books listen to different um philosophies and it was actually quite a lot of the I was never like a real like spiritual or religious guy at all you know um but it was some of the more spiritual and philosophical type um avenues that I explored that really helped me you know if you don't interpret them in a airy fairy way if you kind of relate them to your everyday experience i started to realize there was a lot of real value in those for me around you know like and how our mind likes to try and wander and attach to the future and the past and it likes to compare and a lot of these things i i started to learn and you know things like um sort of buddhist philosophies and uh you know sort of like hindu um non-duality and these types of things that i felt were all really saying the thing you know um and and that started to allow me to understand more how my own mind worked you know and it was true what i was learning and reading and and what's kind of cool is when i would learn about and read these things that I felt were really like um meaningful to me. I would then hear like modern day people on podcasts and books and stuff yes. saying the same things, but in their own words that were probably more relatable to the to the current times. And I was like, wow, oh, this shit keeps showing up to me and it's making so much sense. Um and and honestly man, it just helped me so much. But it's, it's one of those things that I feel Going through that challenge allowed me to open up because I never would have picked up a book or listened to talk on YouTube or something along those sort of spiritual lines if it wasn't for real feelings of discontent and confusion about life, I don't think.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you. And that's that's so similar to me because I think when I kind of hit the point where I wanted to in terms of rugby, I just won my first Welsh cap for um, in, in rugby league. And I kind of got that cap and I got that tangible thing in front of me. And I think i visualized this for about the past year. I've worked for this. I've given up a lot for this. My last year in uni, I gave up on going out drinking. I gave up on everything um, in terms of like what seems to have a great time. But I didn't mind doing it because mm-hmm. I wanted to be committed to my goal because I knew I wanted a better, almost future in a way. Because like you said, I was looking... I was in the moment when I was playing and I was training, but I was always in the future looking, what's next? What's next? I want a, I want a rugby league contract. I want a rugby union contract. What I want next? I want this salary. I want this. I want that. And for me, it was just, I reached those goals and it would feel great for five, 10 minutes. And then maybe I'd go home back to where I'm from a few hours away. and I'd have people who know me since I was a kid and asking, how's rugby going? How's rugby going? And I love the feeling of almost being that guy I was that rugby player I was someone who's gone away got a Welsh cap come back you know because I worked so hard for it but then I didn't feel like like how you think you'd feel I didn't I felt empty you know yeah I'm really I was pleased I, I earned it and it was great and I was looking for the next thing but then so do people people are always thinking well what's next what's next I think shit like yeah. I just want to enjoy the moment yeah. like I just want to enjoy
1: yeah. this you know what's next yeah. and then and it's it, it's yeah. so easy isn't it to like it is. like like we're, our minds are just taught think that way like look at the schooling system you know exactly. look at, yeah. Uh, it, yeah just education look at everything we see online everything we read in the news all You know our parents; they're innocent, but they they portray the same message to us because it's the message they believe. You know, and um, you know what? Yeah, it sounds to me as though you had an insight yourself as well around. Well, actually, I'm looking, searching desperately for fulfillment in these exterior things, but it's never lasting. So, where do I look now?
0: (laughs) Exactly, it was like that. You know, and I'd have. And I've really struggled that part of my life with the sport because it had gone from something I loved doing to something that I felt I had to do and I couldn't mm. get any meaning from it anymore. So your hobby almost becomes that chore. Um, mm. And it's, it's hard to almost detach yourself from that. And then I finally got yeah. it again. You detach yourself from the goals and then, yeah, the enjoyment comes back. But I think like you said, it's the educating yourself. Like that's the biggest thing I've done for the past two or three years is when I got my injury and it kind of put an end to rugby, I just kind of educated myself on things that you did, like what is the meaning of fulfillment, what's happiness. But for me, it's just made me understand more about perspectives. And it's something that we'll touch on in a minute again, is that when you're in a team environment, everyone expects it's team first, team first. And I get that. I get it's very important to work for the team itself. But then what happens, we're all individuals we're all equally as important but then what happens to what what's our role in that team if we're just another number what's what's our role in that team so for you 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 had that experience didn't you
1: yeah man and and, and I I hadn't thought of this um uh quote for a long time but what you've just said it reminds me of uh, like I said you know when I was in a tough time and really confused and trying to figure stuff out I've, I've I read a whole lot of books and I've continued to, you know, explore those avenues. And um, one of the guy's books that I read um, is a guy named, he's like this old Indian guru dude. His name's Ramana Maharshi. Um, If anyone's interested, the kind of philosophy derives from Hinduism, but it's called in the Western world, non-duality, which means um, there's, there's not two. It means that all is one. Um yeah. And and pretty much the the one of the phrases that really stuck with me from what I learned from reading this guy's um, words was the greatest gift you can give the world is your own self-realization. Yeah. Um. And that really struck me quite hard because, and and I feel it's really in line with what you're saying about the team thing. Um. You know, I think we're taught to always do do what's right. Or those around you do what's right for the world, yeah. and and I think like uh, obviously that's right. But yeah, I think it's got its place. Saying what, yeah, and what this is saying is, in order to do what's right for the world and those around you, you first need to understand who you are and how you work. Yeah. Because otherwise, you can think you're doing what's right for the world and your team and those around you, but until you understand truly and clearly how you work, you're you're starting from a um, false point, you know. Yeah. Um and yeah, man, I, I I've seen it very much. Like when I was playing rugby in New Zealand, like the viewpoint was like you just you be humble, you keep your head down. You yeah. know, you don't you don't stick your head above the crowd and and actually yeah like if you think about that from kind of an overall perspective, I I, I can see where it's got its place. But if you're taught that and it's not your natural way to just, you know, some personalities are different some yeah. more charismatic or more jovial or more of a joker and that's who they are yeah. um, and, and I feel there's a place for that but if you're taught that you, you in order to do what's right you got to keep your head down and shut up like mm. it's limiting for you but until you can start to understand actually in order for like, like I love this is saying I I think it's more humble to self, if your self is just confident and loud. I think it's more humble to just completely be that than try to be humble by being something that you're not, you know? Yeah. And trying to be what other people want you to be is false, you know. Yeah. And to me, being false is not humble. Like you should humbly be able to accept yourself as you are, even what however other people perceive you, you know. Um so. I, I definitely think that that's one of my troubles with sport. Like I feel that it's very regimented. Like it's it's the organization has a way that they believe it should be done. That usually comes from the coach or, um, you know, the coaching group and, it's not flexible towards individuals and the human beings that make up the collective, you know? Um, And I, and I, and I'm really interested in all that sort of stuff. And I've always been really interested in how coaches coach and how they lead and um, how they get the best out of players and stuff like that. And how, what makes a successful environment, you know, and I'm interested in why some coaches have, Short-term success and maybe win a trophy, and then they 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 never they kind of have to move to another club to to win and and yeah um and why some are you know really build that sort of more of a dynasty and it's um a longer-term success and I, I kind of feel that what I understand I'm definitely no expert by the way this is just my own like yeah, kind yeah. Of perspective and what I feel I learned along the way is that. If, a, if an organisation or a coach or a leader it allows the individuals to and encourages them to just be truly who they are, what happens is there's there's a far greater buy-in to the bigger picture yeah. and the team direction. When you're just completely free to be who you are, your your mind is so much more open to connect and get be in line with the bigger picture when you are regimented and suppressed and told how to be and how to act and what to do all the time, I think, yeah, you'll have some buy-in for a limited time because you know naturally people in these environments, they want to do well, but it won't be lasting success because it's not sustainable for people to be suppressed like that. Um, So I think the best coaches to me are the ones that really understand that. And I think it comes back to the saying like, I think for a coach to understand that, they first need to understand themselves,
0: yeah. I agree. And do you think you've had that in your career? Do you think you've had like coaches in clubs who've taken you aside and taken the time to get to know you or given you that duty of care? Do you think you've had that?
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, and 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 by the way, man, like. I don't think the the coaches are bad people that don't get it. I, I just yeah. think that they've become like the same way we spoke that I feel as young human beings we get conditioned into a way of looking at life. Yeah. I course. feel like coaches get conditioned by the world of professional sport and how they yeah. have to be as a coach. Because because if you look at young coaches that that are fresh and new, yeah, they got a, their development and they're learning that, but they love it most of the time, you know. Um, They're they're being themselves. They actually connect really easily with the players. They're always really relatable. And you actually see sometimes when you have the chance to see a coach go through their career um, for a bit, you see them change, you know? Yeah. And it's not because yeah outwardly they may become a bit more of an asshole but like it's not because they're an asshole it's because they've come conditioned to what they should be as a coach yeah you know and it's not them it's not true to them but it's what they believe they need to be and they learn like like you look at sport man like all these coaches go to these conferences they all have these mentors and it's like oh just be yourself man and when you're yourself like you're the man you know yeah. You're relatable, you get your messages across, you motivate people, you get the best out of people, you understand when guys are down, because you're open, you know, you're being a human. When when you're just all the time trying to think how you should coach, and you're coaching off this mentorship or this ready strategy that's been handed down by some dude who probably wrote a book when they were sixty and actually forgot what they were actually doing <laughs> while they're in the peak of their career. You know what yeah. I mean? Like um so you can probably tell it's a bit of a passionate subject of mine, but um, yeah, I mean, I feel we need a, a our understanding of the underlying humanity aspect rather than focusing all the time on the outcomes and stuff. It's the same as us as players, man. You know, we, we fall into the same trap. We, we achieve that initial success and, and are great players because we love the game and training's easy and we train hard because we love it and it's easy. And we're expressing ourselves and it's natural to us. And then we get the idea of what we need to be as a professional. We become more regimented, you know, we lose that sense of intuition that really was a gift to us as a as a yeah. young player. Um, so it's not I'm not trying to say coaches are assholes. I'm saying as humans, we we need to try our best to understand better. And like I said again, people are gonna disagree with me. Um, I'm not trying to say this is the way, I'm just this is my view. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And I think think that's the same with everyone, not just coaches. I mean, some kids are brought up with win-at-all-cost attitude. Their parents Mm -hmm. encourage them to win, that winning is everything. And there's a big trend between people who continue playing the game and enjoying it and then thrive from it because they have the right support behind them. And I think that's Mm -hmm. so important, not to be too pushy, not to shove them into places that they don't necessarily want to go because then that sets the wrong precedence for the rest of their life. So it, it, it just leads back to what you said. It's, it's knowing your players. I mean, I've been in environments where, you know, you it's the, you're shouted at, you're balled at, the whole team is, it's win. You must win, you must win. But then I took my biggest message from when I played, um, when I went over to rugby league that first year, I was coached by um, someone who, been really high up within Leeds Rhinos. And he was telling us how to just enjoy the game, play it with flair. And he didn't give a shit. He was just who he was. So it, it leads back to what you said, he was his own person. He just wanted us to enjoy the game and we thrive from it because he, he got to know us as individuals. And for me, that's that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned is the importance of understanding different people, having a rapport with everyone, understanding mm-hmm. that everyone is unique to each other and very different and for me that's the biggest learning curve not sport wise in life i think i think that's why mm-hmm. it made me become a teacher because i wanted to understand not just the students i teach but everyone's perspectives in life you know you see someone walking down the road um or you see someone in a shop and you, you're kind to people because you want to understand their perspectives mm-hmm. you, they, you don't know what they're going through and i think mm-hmm. yeah i think it's just an important thing like it leads on to what you said i think if we allow people to be themselves, then it's a better place, isn't
1: it? Yeah, definitely, man. And and it's cool that you speak about that coach that you had, um, the guy from Leeds Rhinos, you know, because every now and then you come across people in life that they just get it, you know, and they yeah, they, they don't, like, they're, they're not even going to sit there and, and break down to you and explain what they get, but they just get it, you know, because yeah, exactly. they're just in touch with uh, like every human being was born completely full, you know, like yeah pure perfect like no human being was born incomplete but we go along we learn to believe that we're incomplete and that we need to be a certain way or achieve and it gets in the way of like us that knowing that fulfillment is who we are like but every now and then you just come across people that truly express the fact that they're all good no matter what like you know and and it's kind of cool how you know those people can be teacher they can be a coach they can be a teammate they could be a Mm -hmm. a business someone in business anything you know um and and what you pick up from these people is so much more than what that like thing that they teach or do is you know you 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 take away sometimes i don't i think you can't even like put into words or explain what you take away from it but but you take away a, a real sense of there's a bigger picture, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, of course, um, yeah. And, and those, those, there's been a kind of handful of those type of people in my life, and um, they're the ones that have really helped me to unlock and start to realize that I can see things in a different way. Yeah. Um, and and that, yeah, it, 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 it's cool. I, I like to hear when you talk about guys like that, like the coach and stuff and what they're pointing to. Yeah. It's much, much bigger than rugby league, isn't it?
0: It is, it is. And that, I think that's given me one of my biggest lessons, not just in sport, but life. You know, understand everyone is their own person, everyone's got their own stuff going on, you know, so just be you and let them be them. Yeah. I think that's the most important yeah. thing. So for exactly. you, we spoke about, you know, self fulfillment and self actualization before. Do you think that's something you've achieved in rugby when you maybe played for Scotland or New Zealand in the 20s, or do you think that's something? Outside of sport, and it's something completely different.
1: Um, I don't think you can ever achieve fulfilment in any outward thing. Yeah, I, I think it's a complete wild goose chase. Um, mm. I genuinely, truly believe that, like wholeheartedly. Yeah. But I, but I, but in saying that, I don't think I'm not trying to encourage people just sit on the couch and do nothing. You of know, I, yeah. I'm I'm saying, do what you want to do and express yourself and go all out, have goals, you know, have, um, you know, ambitions, but when you start to feel, have that sense and that mentality creeping in that you need to achieve it in order to be okay, that's when you're wrong. That's that not, not you're wrong, but that, that perspective is going to come in. I feel it's, it's conditioned to us, but just check yourself because it ain't true and the more we get caught up in it the more we get carried away from the reason why we went into something yeah you know? like i have to do I, i'm grateful that i realized that through rugby because i see the same thing creeping into me in business now as the business is growing bigger and getting more serious and other people are involved and you know you realize it's growing into something that could be you know pretty big and you start to lose that kind of um, sense of freedom and enjoyment and um, optimism and creativity uh, because it's almost like you've got a lens that's come on, which is like, bro, you better not stuff this up because this is what <laughs> makes you who you are now. You know? yeah. Without this, without this, you know, you're not going to be good enough. What else are you going to do? And yeah. it, those, those perspectives aren't true, but they come into play because it's the human conditioning I feel. But, it's good to realize that those viewpoints are going to come and then we can yeah. catch them and be like, ah, that's that old trick of a mind trying to come get me again. But yeah. it let me carry on with freedom and enjoyment. And I feel naturally human beings are ambitious and creative and pretty driven. Uh, yeah. I don't think we need external reasons to be that way. You know, like look at little kids. They love playing. They love creating. They love learning. Yeah. And when you're that young, you don't do it for a reason. You just do it because you want to do it. So I feel like humans are naturally that way, but we lose sense of, we feel as though we need some like outward driving factor to continue that. And I feel actually that that gets in the way of our natural energy and motivation and resilience and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I know it can sound pretty like philosophical and that, but I feel if you can understand that it's a it's like a mirage man like trying to achieve happiness and fulfillment and outward things yeah it seems that way we realize that it's not you play the game you you rip into whatever you do and you'll feel a more of a sense of a freedom and and also resilience man because the the reality i've seen of life is goes to plan (laughs) Yeah, you exactly. Know? Like, yeah. If, if there's one thing I could say that I've learnt about my life is, whatever the plan is, know that it's not going to be the outcome. You know. Yeah. And and sometimes things will end up way better than the plan. And sometimes the what you thought was the route and the journey, it will take a way different course. But yeah. you need to kind of have that understanding that and, and faith that is something bigger at play than like. Like we're our minds aren't God, man. Like we we believe we're all taught to believe that our mind is God, like that it's it knows what's going on and every factor. But yeah. bro, our our minds are limited. We make up our plan and our story and our strategy based upon the very 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 limited knowledge that we have, you know. Yeah. And that 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 plan, I'm telling you, life will interpret it differently and it will throw spanners in the work, but that's been helpful for me to know that it's yeah man have a plan have a have a but know that it's always open for interpretation
0: yeah and it's really interesting that you you know you touched on that with you you almost doubt yourself when you're doing something you're always going to have that self-doubt and it's something I've spoken about before a little bit it's about you know ego I think the ego there holds you back and that is that is it what you said it's that little voice in your head which is telling you you're not good enough, You don't do this, don't do that, worry about the future, and it, it is, it comes into it, and it can put you off, but again, what you said was you can't let that little voice in your head stop you, or pull you back, or, or stop you from doing what you want to do, if you want to do something, then then you do it,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think as well, I kind of, I feel we're cluing on to that with the ego and the limiting, you know, perspective and, and voice in our head, but Feel we can sometimes be taught like you got to try to block it out, you know. Yeah. And then I think I feel trying to block it out only perpetuates the the noise. So it's actually for me, I've come to see that knowing that those those thoughts and that are going to take place. It's like everyone who's played sport knows that they've had times in the warm up or just before the game they've yeah. had the most negative thoughts, um, like doubting everything and feeling insecure and then the whistle goes and it's like no even if you had those thoughts you just play you know and often the game and and goes differently than what those thoughts were you know so it's the same with life like just know that the thoughts aren't real and it's part of being human to have them um and i think then they lose grip because what i feel is like trying to get rid of them or avoid having them it actually gives them power like as though they're real or they're true yeah um so that's something helpful that I've kind of learned and felt and experienced along the way.
0: Yeah. And that's it's something I've kind of tried to bring into my teaching and my coaching. I was coaching a rugby club. It was a few months ago now. But then I had a, a guy, he got so anxious. Every time he played, he got so anxious. So he was the best player by far. Mm. But it, before the game, he would get so anxious. He wouldn't want to play even the way his discourse, the way he was holding himself, he was nervous, he was anxious, he wasn't sure if he wanted to do it. And I never want that to get in his way of perhaps making it, whatever we say, whatever his definition of making it is, you know, because I think he puts so much pressure on himself to go out and be that player that people expected him to be. And then once you kind of understand that perspective and take away the pressure and understand, it's just one of the reasons all this podcast is to help people understand we all have these negative thoughts we all have these negative doubts where things seem impossible and we don't deserve different things because that's just but for me that that's just leveling up I think if you're having those thoughts you're you're working for something that's worthwhile you're doing something that's going to help people if it lines up with your values and it lines up with something you want to be then go for it you know it's just leveling up you know we're we're, we're always going to get self-doubt it's just what you do with those thoughts and you said what do you do those thoughts you said you you just you let them come and you let them go is that right
1: yeah well if you actually look at the way the mind works like it's it's pretty crazy man like like think about it if you took every thought in your head to be true and acted on it like the, the like all of us this world would be a big mess you know (laughs) um so we actually have some capacity of understanding that our thoughts aren't relevant or true yet we're taught or, or, or we kind of feel when we take more serious some thoughts and some feelings um so it's kind of trying to understand that it's actually a normal human experience to kind of like ebb and flow between being clear-minded and confident to feeling a bit more insecure or anxious or nervous and feeling good and, and and then flow into kind of feeling a bit more uneasy. And I I think like we're taught to just try to feel good all the time, you know, and that's why human beings get addicted to like drugs and alcohol and, you know, and, other you know all sorts of other things we get addicted to social media and relationships and our image and all that because actually we get addicted to just trying to feel good the whole time yeah. and it's unachievable man you know um all we're doing is deepening the misunderstanding the more we go down that hole, and we're making ourselves worse and get further away from clarity so i feel like one of the biggest insights and helpful things that i learned was it's so normal to ebb and flow good and feeling uneasy and in fact the, the easiest way to allow that natural up and down to take place and for it to not to be like a feeling of deep depression or deep anxiety or despair when you don't feel good is to actually know that it's normal yeah. um, and don't try and avoid it allow and, and, and just know that, like, the negative thoughts in that that come with that, they're not true. Like, you don't have to... Uh, you don't believe them. You don't act on them. Um, and what tends to happen is the thoughts dissolve and you go back to that natural flow of, oh, my good, I feel fine, you know? Yes. I, I, if you really think about... If you question our behaviours as humans, you... Like, everyone listening to this podcast, have a think about this. Like, we... We try, our motivation all the time is to try feel good. What can I do right now to yeah. feel good? Oh, I'm gonna have a coffee. What can I do right now to feel good? Oh, I wanna avoid that person. What can I do right now to feel good? Oh, I'm gonna scroll on social media, you know? Um, so it's starting to understand that like feeling good all the time isn't the goal, it's, it's being human. And being human is like facing challenges and different feelings. <laughs>
0: yeah exactly and I think that's the biggest one of the biggest learning points is that people not everyone obviously but a lot of people want to or feel that they should feel good all the time that social media or whatever has conditioned people to think well everything should be good all the time because because I'm comparing my life to someone else's and theirs always seems great and it's not like that we all feel these emotions and the best thing to do is just sit with them because people like like you said people chase that good time all the time and it's those Mm -hmm. little hits of that chemical serotonin or dopamine it's when you get a text come through and you think oh that's that's great or you go for a beer or anything really to do with Mm -hmm. that or people who smoke that people who do drugs that you know people who get that hit they think that's the that's the short way of getting that short-term happiness Mm -hmm. but then it's like you said it's you can't always be happy and there are other ways to get more fulfillment, not get, getting your value off other people or getting your, your happiness from tangible things, you know? Yeah. So that's what you said. Yeah, is, so what are the yeah. habits you do to give yourself uh, to make sure that you're in a good peace of mind, your mental health's good?
1: Um, I mean, just, uh, just quickly touch on one thing you said there as well, mate, is, like, I think it's easy to kind of also see things that we do um as kind of these ways to avoid bad feelings you know but actually once you start to kind of see that more clearly that oh well, maybe I was having that beer to avoid this bad feeling or maybe I was just going on social media to try and avoid this bad feeling or whatever um what you what what actually starts to happen is I think when you see that you realize I can do those things that I like doing. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe I like going with my mates for a beer, and maybe I like going on social media. Maybe I, yeah. whatever, you know, like you can do those things and enjoy them for, for just for the sake of just enjoying yourself, you yeah. know, not as an escape anymore. Um, and that's where I feel you have more balance with what you do as well. I think where things get a bit, and I can speak from experience, you know, things get out of hand when you utilize or you, you use things as an escape mechanism, you know, Um, and it can happen very innocently and without even knowing that it's happening. You went from being a person that enjoyed going out with your mates and having some beers and having a good time to someone that lives for it to try and just escape the bad feelings and avoid reality, you know, and that's easily a cycle that kind of grows. So definitely it's, it's helpful to question your motivation and what you're doing. Um but in terms of like my own habits, um to be honest, like I, I'm not gonna sit here and sound like come try and talk like I'm some dude who's got this amazing routine and I, I'm I'm very quite realistic. Like I, I've I change like my way of doing things, my daily schedule changes every day. But I quite enjoy being unstructured, um, yeah. I feel like my, uh, I've, I've been in employment in terms of rugby that's been quite regimented, you know, you go through school, it's quite regimented I, I never really fitted in with that, so I, I enjoy kind of just doing things on my own terms, but also at the same time I think that like, it is good to understand that there are if you are like me, that quite like doesn't like the regimentation, like that it is helpful to kind of schedule things in and have a, have some structure. Sometimes you know, so yeah. But I definitely think you know, for me, um, helpful things that I'm trying to do more so now. Um, being more consistent with my exercise, you know, is one yeah. that with without rugby um, and without that kind of structured and scheduled training. Uh, I, you know I'm realizing without that like and dropping off in my in terms of my level of exercise I feel it does have an, a, an impact on me I feel yeah. I'm someone that you know I like to move I like to um, uh, let my energy out so that exercise is something that really helps me in terms of like even my clarity of mind and my focus and attention I feel exercising helps me with that in my daily life Um scheduling my day like that's something that being in charge of this business now um i never had i never had to schedule my day as a rugby player my, it was easy man my day was scheduled for me you know um and it was all spoon fed like you turn up you you, you got to be on time but you know once you're there you're told what to do so that was quite a simple way of doing things now i'm responsible to make sure like my day is productive and that I get the things done that need to be done, and don't like allow it to consume like every hour of my day, you know. Because it, because I think being someone that doesn't like to have a schedule, um, it can seem cool to have the freedom to work as as I please now, as someone who's running my own business. But actually, what can happen is just my whole day merges into one whole workday, you know, and it's no no break, no balance, no exercise. I did well. I haven't spent time with my wife haven't done the hobbies or things that I enjoy you know so actually having some structure to my day even as simple as you know like writing in my um, daily calendar or or sort of time schedule um, you know block of half an hour for these uh, emails half an hour to go through the budget or the forecast and you know obviously have quite a few calls and stuff that already scheduled in but you know trying to actually fill out and even putting in there, like, work stops now, <laughs> you know, like, riding yeah. on the schedule, like, stop now. Um, because, yeah, man, like, I think, especially if it's your own business and all something that you're really, really passionate about, doesn't have to be your own business, might be your job or your studies or your sport, like, you got to set yourself boundaries, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important, you know, with, with everything in life, with exercise, you've got to keep, trying to be the best you can be, but then at the same time, you've got to cut off because I think that like rest is important and recharging is is as equally important as being productive all the time. So we've spoken about obviously your work, your business. So I just want to ask you, where did Pure Sport, where did that business idea come from?
1: Yeah, so it happened like really, uh, like it was never the plan to be a business. Um, okay. So, so pretty much when um, I signed, I I, I a couple of years in- um, before I moved to Australia I got I had a knee injury it wasn't a really bad injury I, I tore my MCL and um, the meniscus it was only about a like eight week out injury yeah covered fine and then sort of through the following season I started getting aches and pains in my knee but didn't really think anything of it you know the mentality and rugby and sport is like unless it stops you completely it's not an injury you know like you keep going that's kind of the the mentality so I just kept going and started taking some painkillers and you know cracked on with it didn't seem to be much I signed a contract with Edinburgh and they did the medical and they saw my knee was quite swollen they sent me off for a scan in order to be able to pass my medical foot to, to get the contract um and the, the specialist like they came back with a scan the physio called me in the room the next day with the doctor and the, the head of the whole medical the SIU and they're like oh your scan's real bad like your knee is stuff like that you you have to retire and I was like hey like <laughs> what I, I played every game last season I never missed a game like yeah my knee's been a bit sore but what are you talking about they're like well yeah, like the whole structure, your whole cartilage is wasted away. you got extra bone growth on your knee from your body trying to compensate and all this. I was like, hey, anyway. In order to actually fail the medical and not give me the contract, they had to get a second opinion, right? So they actually ended up getting two more opinions from two more specialists. They gave a scan to, I went and saw them. They did a whole test on me and all these different exercises and everything. And these both these guys actually said, look, like, he's his knee is stuff like they both said he's gonna need a knee replacement by the time he's 40 um, wow. that's what it's what's called a degenerative knee like the whole structure of the knee started to waste away and all this but they said actually every humans different like his makeup of his quads and his um, his other ligaments and stuff like he's still functional uh, so he's got to learn we, we need to make a structure to for him to maintain and and um, his training load um, to do a lot of rehabilitation and um, and if, as long as he's happy to play and he knows that there's his knee's going to keep getting worse but if he wants to play, he can play. So I got the contract but anyhow, that just set me off I was taking something I didn't want like the SIU to know that I, or, or they obviously knew my knee was stuffed but I didn't want to think of the problem, right? Because I was wanting yeah. to be there long term. So I just kind of like kept my head down and I was just taking painkillers all the time because I obviously wanted to get the next contract and I wanted to do well and I wanted to play for Scotland and all this so I just was diligent about looking after it but you know I was getting worse man I wanted to be able yeah. to train fully I didn't want to pull out of trainings and then be like oh there goes Grayson his knee stuff like we won't sign him um I was just very, very reliant on painkillers. It went from two a day to three a day to four a day to five a day because, you know, you build up a threshold and all that. Um, And I used to have to get my knee drained every six weeks um, to get about 100 ml of fluid taken out of it. Um, So, yeah, I was in a bad place and very reliant on painkillers. And... um, I I actually was always researching natural alternatives because, like, man, the effect that these had on my health just overall taking six painkillers a day um, was so bad. What were they? And mentally. Right. Just, yeah, like, just just the effects it had on my gut, like, just the feelings within my body, the sleep quality. Like, I'd have, like, withdrawals. I'd get, like, shakes. um, Wow. And mentally, just, like, clarity of mind was blocked like like you know just foggy and everything like just, you're, you're not designed to have all that in your system you know oh. constantly um so i was just i was always searching i knew it wasn't sustainable um but i was really ambitious to continue doing well with my rugby so i was always looking out for natural alternatives and I tried all different diets and supplements. I was on like turmeric and ginger yeah. and all these amazing natural things, but some of them had cool, cool benefits, but they weren't the kind of the answer. They I was still on the painkillers. But anyway, one day I, I was watching this UFC guy in a press conference and he spoke about CBD and he said, it's helped him get off painkillers and it's helped him with his pain and inflammation and everything. And I was like, Holy shit, what is this stuff? Um, so I started researching it and and I learned that it was cannabidiol, which is a compound of the cannabis plant. Um, yeah. So I was, like, I was like, hey, how is this dude as a pro athlete taking like cannabis, uh, something from cannabis when he's drug tested? Um, so I researched more, went on the Water website and I saw that recently that one compound cannabidiol, CBD, had been removed off the World Anti-Doping Ban substance list. So it was legitimate in sport. But... Yeah what my research said further was the other compounds in cannabis are still banned and there's a risk of contamination because it's very hard to extract just CBD on its own. Yeah. But anyway, I, I kind of started researching and like, oh, I was like, man, I'm willing to like try the stuff out. I know there's a risk with the contamination, but I felt I did a bit of the due diligence and I was like, I'm willing to take that risk personally because I can't maintain this painkiller lifestyle. Um, yeah. So I ended up ordering like quite a few different brands and products from America because it was hard to come across in the UK at that time. Um, And I started taking. Honestly, man, like, firstly, some of them were no good; like, they were kind of a waste of time. Some of these products, but the ones that were legit and worked, they were amazing. Um, And it was the first time ever that I was able to, or not ever, but within that few years of that knee injury, that I I managed to get off the all the painkillers. and it was funny because uh, by then I actually encouraged a good friend of mine, Adam. Uh, he had just had a hip surgery. Um, I told him about CBD. I got he got on the same ones I was using. He loved it, um, and we were both the same. And, and then the teen doctor came to me after a couple months on the CBD, and he was like, "He's like, hey, what's going on? Like, you know, we haven't drained your knee. Um, you've not been coming to me for all the painkillers. What's happening?" And I was like, "Oh, uh, I've been taking CBD." And I was kind of a bit nervous to tell him, and, and <laughs> yeah. he like, oh, okay, uh, let me go away and have a look at it and come back to you. And I was like, okay. Anyway, he comes back to me the next day. He's like, oh man, sorry, like you can't take that. It's like too risky, you know. Um, it's it's not certified. There's no like batch testing. And I was like, damn man. So me and Adam were the same. We we're like gutted. We went on the search pretty much, being like, nah, I'm not going back to painkillers. We, so we started emailing everyone calling people saying, hey, we're athletes, can you provide us with a um that we can take this, blah, blah, blah. And no one would give us any guarantee. Everyone was very vague. No one would give us lab reports, anything. So that kind of raised a few alarm bells. Anyway, one guy that we got in touch with throughout just reaching out to all these different people along this line of people at, towards the kind of end of it all, he, he was like, I've got the most advanced extraction lab in america um, yeah. i've got this new equipment i can create a bespoke uh extraction to be exactly the specifications you need as drug tested athletes yeah so he, still adam and i were just dudes that wanted to use it and we we're like yeah sweet man like we'll buy like 20 bottles each from him, thinking that he would be stoked that we're giving him this business that <laughs> it was, that we were, we we're buying heaps you know yeah. and and then he kind of laughed at us and he was like, nah, man, I'm like, sorry, boys. I'm talking like, if I calibrate all my equipment, like I'm talking like, this is large scale, this is bulk, you know, like, this is an expensive thing to do. I need to do it at a high scale. So we're like, oh, damn, like, that's what we <laughs> wanted to do. Went away, pretty, like, de- defeated. And it was kind of like a few days later in a coffee shop, we were just chatting. We are like, bro, we that we searched the world for literally like inside out and we couldn't find it and we've now got this one opportunity and no one else is doing it because we look for it everywhere um we know that the stuff works we've seen it both firsthand um why don't we see if we can start our own business um so we're like yeah we're both buzzing about it um the next step was convincing both of our wives that this was a good idea to uh, you know like my wife chelsea and i we'd been saving up hard to buy try and buy our first home and um i was you know to like hey uh i really want to use all of our savings to invest into this business and she didn't like i got no business experience so <laughs> thought i was crazy but took a bit of time to convince got it over the line um both adam and i with our partners and then, pretty much everything we had, every cent went into having the data, having them lab tested, having them certified. Um, we got them batch tested and certified by an official accredited um, agency um, called BSCG, the Banned Substance Control Group, um, which is world recognised. Um, so, we're the first company in the world to have like multiple products across the range, broad range, to be certified, um, and. Yeah, like, we had no experience marketing. We had no budget. Our website and social media, and it was pretty amazing because what happened was as soon as we launched on social media, our inbox just started being flooded with pro athletes being like, man, I've been waiting for CBD that I'm going to buy some. Heaps of athletes, Olympians, rugby players, golfers, boxers um, were buying, using it. They just started talking about on their social media, how they were benefiting from it. We didn't pay a single person. We didn't have the money to do so, or even the marketing now saw anything. The 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 business just grew on its own. Um, In that regard, through people talking about it, our game plan all along was we knew that athletes was a very small minority but we wanted to utilize the avenue of the lab testing to break the stigma in the wider audience around cannabis and cbd and show people like that this is something safe this is trustworthy it's this is a product with integrity from us at pure sport um because it's done right and it can help you you know and we kind of thought like if we can utilize that athlete angle and show that people like you know like a olympian or a world cup winning all black they're not going to jeopardize their career by failing a drug test and they're not going to endorse something that doesn't work so we felt like we were on to a good angle because at the end of the day cbd is amazing for everyone you know you got 60 year old ladies who have arthritis you got people in their 40s in the court world that are stressed or can't sleep and you got people with aches and pains that are benefiting from it so um yeah that's it's been amazing to see how it's grown and it's been something that's grown a lot quicker than what we anticipated. It's been a lot more responsibility than what we had anticipated, but um, it's been something we're, we're really, really grateful for and uh, it's, it's grown nicely.
0: Yeah, and I see, I've see i seen definitely over the last few years the amount of people taking it as an alternative. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. even, like you said, all black players like Liam Messam, like Jerome Kano as well, they're, they're talking about it all the time because it it is yeah. it's, it's such a more healthier product than obviously like you said painkillers which can you know which can yeah. be really negatives yeah. so do you think for you yeah. that this is obviously you now with rugby obviously suspended for now this is something that you've been enjoying you know working on and growing because you probably haven't had mm-hmm. the time to really gr- like grow your company as much as as you've had now with the time
1: yeah definitely I mean if I'm being completely transparent, my venture into championship rugby um, was a, a bit of a strategy around really working on my business and having more yeah. time and availability. Still obviously giving my all and trying to be the best player that I can be and best teammate. And um, But with more of a sort of open schedule that the championship most clubs have, Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really looked at it as a way to work on my business. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, um, as the business has grown, the kind of I guess the balance has tipped more towards pure sport because obviously yeah. for me that's that's my that's a long, good term opportunity to for my career. Um, now, you know, rugby winding up for me. Um, and I'm comfortable with that. That was my game plan coming in to the back end of my career um so yeah it's kind of for me um the break in rugby's been welcome because it was becoming very very difficult for me to balance still playing and the commitment of playing rugby um so yeah it's 100% like it's been my sort of strategy and game plan to grow the business and step away from rugby um and yeah man like if, if I had my time, not if I had my time, Over, again, I'm thankful for my time. I'm so thankful for rugby for what it's done for me. Um, it's been an amazing career, but like if I got kids in the future that want to be pro athletes, man, honestly, I, I'll support whatever they do, but I won't encourage them to be a pro athlete. Really? <laughs> nah. Wow. I don't, I, I don't think it's the life that people think that it is. No. It's very, it's a very limiting lifestyle. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to sit here and sound... I'm truly grateful for me personally, for what it yeah. did, for a kid that kind of like it gave him an avenue. Um, but, and, and for anyone out there listening that wants to be like, go for it, man. Like, don't get me wrong, it's amazing, it's fun. It's But I think it's not healthy to put all your eggs into that one basket.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've heard people say that. I think every person i've had an interview with they've said it is that don't put your eggs in one basket make sure you've got something else apart from the sport you do because Mm -hmm. it's like you said don't put all your eggs in one basket because it's very very limiting and if you're giving yourself everything to that sport and that's your that's that's your way of adding value to your life and your identity then it's wrong because that's not what life's about you know yeah definitely Uh, I, um, and
1: because people, people tell us all the time that have never lived it, that yeah. playing professional sports, the dream. But you're hearing that narrative from people that don't actually know what it's like. Yeah. You know, and then we believe the narrative and we tell ourselves, oh, don't leave. Don't go work somewhere else or don't get a different career or don't work on trying to, because you've got the dream right now. So don't let it go. But just for someone else, <laughs> it's the dream doesn't mean it's the dream man like it's not man you know it's you can live the dream by just being true to yourself you know whether and I think as well players that walk away and leave rugby they feel like they don't want to live a normal life or have a normal career because they feel they're not special anymore but it's a myth man you were never more special than anyone else to begin with just because you played a sport for a living you know like we need to I think get over that perspective but it's not the player's fault yeah we're oh. part of it we we go along with the narrative but man we're all humans bro no like bloody the dude who does the rubbish is no less than an international football star so i think we need to re- check our realities at times
0: yeah no i think we do and i think what you said you know, people who are saying you've got the dream, who aren't professional athletes. You've got the dream, you're doing great. They're not the people who, like you said, have played international rugby like you. They're not the people who've had those rejections, had scrutiny, had to go through yeah. all that time where they had to take painkillers because that was the only alternative to keep going in your career. They they don't experience that. They experience mm. things like playing for Scotland, playing for New Zealand under 20s. They, they mm. just see the good times. And yeah. I, th- I think yeah. what you're saying is completely honest and fair.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, and uh, some people are probably not going to like me saying it, but um, or they're going to see it as being ungrateful. Trust me, I'm thankful. I love rugby. I'm grateful, but and and you know, I'll do it again. I think, but I, I would do it with a different perspective. That mm. it's no more special than anything like yet. Yeah, it's amazing. It's cool. It's fun, but it's not the be all and end all. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, no, of course, and I always close that interview with um my last question which is so from all the lessons you've learned this is quite a broad question from all the lessons yeah. you've learned what is one piece of advice that you'd give to somebody you know it could be someone who's like we spoke about a aspiring athlete it could be someone new to their career mm. it could be someone going into business it could be anyone
1: oh i want to try summarize what i feel my theme of this podcast was um yeah. <laughs> so What I'm going to say is, how would I say it? Don't do things to try and be more fulfilled or more complete or feel better. Um, Find within yourself the natural, the essence that we all are, which is, Fulfillment, which yeah. is happiness, which is peace, and then go out and do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah, <laughs> and Definitely. do it from that Of I'm fulfilled. I've got this. Yeah, you know, rather than the other way around, because I feel we've just got it the wrong way around. Yeah,
0: no, I agree, and I think that is great advice. And Grayson, it's been uh, it's been awesome having you on today. I could speak for another few hours, but uh, now nah, thank you for it on today it's been it's been great to speak to you and thank you for being so open so honest uh yeah thank you
1: ah, pleasure man thank you for um your amazing podcast and the, the the great wisdom and conversations that you share so i uh, really enjoyed it man thank you
0: thank you again for listening to the latest podcast i really appreciate your support as always If you like this episode, please feel free to share it, subscribe and leave a rating. Thank you and take care.